Hi, this is Dan Corver, uh, pastor here at Dalton Hill Baptist Church. <clears throat> we're a small Baptist church located in Owasso, Oklahoma. We're small enough to know you, but we're big enough to serve you and for you to serve as well. Our vision is to rescue, restore, and return to service. Rescue a non-believer or a believer who has been hurt or is lost. Restoring them to Christ in fellowship with other believers with the desire that they in turn will help others along their way. We've been going through the, uh, if you recall, the the life of Paul and basically wanting to uh, see how he handled things so that we can try to become more like him. We're going through the uh, book of Acts and we're getting close to the end. We're in chapter 27 and uh, we'll have a couple more weeks and then we'll have tongue pee and then we'll have Easter. So we're trying to finish it all up about the same time. And uh, most everyone is... uh, ever ridden a bike or driven in a car or uh, ridden in a car has been in a wreck. And how many of you prepared beforehand for the wreck? You know, not so much. Well, okay, when you have your children and grandchildren they're starting to learn to ride a bike, how many of you already had band-aids ready and you already have uh, medicine ready? Because what's going to happen? They're going to have a wreck. Okay, so anyone that's been in a car any length of time, it's not if you have a wreck, it's when you're in a wreck. So I think it's important for us to stop and think, if we're going to be in a wreck, then how many of us are preparing for Because I think there's things we can do to prepare for a wreck. And so we are looking at Paul and he wanted a title, Surviving a Shipwreck. You know, by the way, how many, according to scripture that we know about, how many shipwrecks was Paul in? Three. Three. When the other two occurred, we're never even told. Uh, so it's just amazing. Imagine how long that book could be if we wrote all the different things that he experienced. So I want you to think about it. The, when you look at it, when you are in a wreck, and I've had the kids call me, Dad, I'm in a wreck. What do I do? Well, did you get their car tag? You need to pull out your license. Did you get any pictures? Do you have any witnesses? Okay, all those things are important. Okay, what about you and I? What can we do to help us get prepared? And so I think it's important when we look at it, the experiences. If you remember in chapter 26 and verse 32, what happened, remember going through, Paul first appeared before the Sanhedrin, and obviously they were biased, and then he goes before, and you stop and you think about it, he goes before um, Felix, and Felix basically, uh, he's there for two years, and he goes before him on a regular basis, and then Festus takes over, and Festus wants to do the Jews a favor, and uh, obviously Paul knows he wants him to go to Rome, uh, excuse me, wants him to go to Jerusalem, and he knows he won't. They've already tried to kidnap him, and, or kill him on the way twice, or would be twice, and so he appeals to, to Caesar. And so you look at the end of chapter 26 and verse 32, unless Agrippa, who is the uh, king, is said to Festus, who would be the Roman this man might have been set free if he had not appealed to Caesar. And as a Roman citizen, when he appealed to Caesar, then that's where he's going. And so we have this, and now we're looking at it, and you think about it, he wants to appear. So then in verse 1 and 2, you have the plan of how this is going to take place. And it was decided that in verse 1, we should sail for Italy, that we proceeded to deliver Paul and some prisoners, a centurion of Augustine, a cohort named Julius. Now, it says Augustine cohort, that's the title. Centurion is over 100 soldiers. 
when it says Augustine, then that's a distinguished, kind of like the imperial guard. He would be one of the uh, more of the elites. So that's who he is, Julius. And notice what they get on a ship. Now the word there in verse two that tells the location of the ship. That ship was was, was down it's off of Asia Minor. It's where it's from, and it's going back home. And what happened that time of the year? They would not sail on the Mediterranean Sea for about three or four months in the wintertime because the winds were too dangerous. So it's on its final voyage going home. So what happens then, since everybody's under Rome, so even though it's no matter what kind of ship it is, if a Roman uh, soldier like this cohort comes, he takes over the ship, he's now the head of the ship. And the captain then and so on has to do what he wants. So he's bringing the prisoners on. And uh, notice what happens is, I think, though, again, if you want to know, preparations for it. So here you are, this is the plan, we're going to get on this ship and uh, head north. So what happens is, if you're, where you go from Jerusalem, you would think, well, just a straight line would be northwest and it'd take you right to Italy. Well, the winds at that time of the year come from the northwest. So how well are you going to go northwest if the winds are coming from the northwest? So what they would do is they would scurry up north right along the coast and get up into Asia Minor and then sail on Greece and get protection and go. And they would do the zigzag maneuver. And what happens is they're basically are just big barges with one main sail. And then what you also have is you have under oarsmen which would have the, would come out the side of the boat and they would have then people that could row those to help for speed or doing it. So this was the plan. So you think about preparation for a shipwreck. I want you to think about it now. How can we prepare it? How did he? Now, if you remember in chapter 23, we need to keep this in mind a lot throughout our story. Chapter 23, what's it tell us in verse 11? You remember they are trying to kill Paul and their great dissension takes place and they put him in the barracks. Notice in verse 11, this is going to happen on more than one occasion. 23.11 But on that night, immediately following, the Lord stood at his side and said, Take courage, for as you have solemnly witnessed to my cause at Jerusalem, so you must be a witness at Rome also. So the Lord came to him. So notice when all these ambushes and everything else took place, Paul has God's promise what? Okay, so how many of us have promises to you and I before our shipwreck comes that he's also given us promises? If we don't know the promises, how many of us need to learn? If you know where your insurance papers are, you know where your, you know, you know where your, uh, your license is, all that kind of stuff. But what about the promises? I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Any man that lacks wisdom, let him what? Cast all your cares on him. Okay, these are all promises of God. So Paul has this promise, and I think it's important when you think about it. But he also has partners. You notice who went with me. It says we, meaning it was then being Luke, and you also have uh, Paul, and then you have, notice it says Aristarchus. If you know much about Aristarchus, you remember he was with Paul. He was at Ephesus when they had the riot at Ephesus. And so he's been through some tough times already with Paul. If you remember when Paul was arrested in Jerusalem, it was because he took the money from the churches. Aristarchus, if you look at the text, represented the church at Macedonia with the money to take 
with Paul down to Jerusalem. So now he's with Paul to go to Rome. Now how many of you would like to partner and be with Paul on his... No, he wasn't required to, but how important is it to have partners on your trip to Rome? How important is it for you and I to have fellow believers to help us in our shipwreck? And if we don't have people, notice then that's when a lion, we said Satan is growing, is going about seeking whom he may devour. Lions attack who? A herd or one off by itself? So you and I, we need our partners. We need to be a partner and we need to help somebody else there to help us as well. So here you have, you have the preparation, you have the promise, you have his partners. I think also, since Paul obviously knows the, his Bible, he knows it extremely well. What about Genesis 50 and verse 20? What does Joseph say? Remember his father died and his brothers think he's not going to turn on him? And what does he say? You meant it for harm, but... God meant it for good. Okay, how many of us really believe that God is in control of all things? Paul believes that, so it's important for you and I to realize when we're in a wreck or anything else, that didn't catch God off guard. When you left the home that morning, you knew what was going to happen to you. We have to recognize God knows what's going on. And we have to trust Him. I think also, we saw this with Psalms 119 in verse 105, what does it say? That word is a lamp, what? And a Okay. So how many of us do another thing that Paul had that we also need is the Word of God. If I want to prepare for a storm, how do you like to have a map to know where you're going? <coughs> you get MapQuest, you do all this stuff, and you push it in your computer and, or on your in your cars, and it tells you take a left, take a right. How do you like all that stuff? Okay? The Word of God's the same way. And it's always up to date. <coughs> I'll never forget the trip I took when we were in uh, in uh, Belgium. We are supposed to go to that lake. I've told you several times. We had five cars going, or six cars. None of us had a map. The guy said, well, I don't know where we're going. Follow me. We went one block, and we were on a dead-end street. We all had to back up. <laughs> Only one car actually made it to the beautiful lake. The rest of us never made it. We saw it off in the distance and never got there. We didn't have a map. So when we're preparing, how many of us are preparing by keeping God's promises, by remembering partners to help us along the way, to encourage us, realizing God's in total control. You also think about the path, the Word of God that will help us along the way. You know, in Psalms 119-165, which Glenn read Wednesday night, it makes that statement, those who love the Lord have great peace. In the middle of all these things you're going on, how important is peace? Because you think you got caught off guard. God, he didn't catch God off guard. He already knew. So think about a question. You know, how well are you prepared for your shipwreck that's coming? How well prepared are we? We all need to be preparing. So let's think about this shipwreck he's about to get in. Notice to me starting in verse 4. And remember, it's the wrong time of year to be doing it, but they want to get there. So notice in verse 4, we put out to sail, and the wind was contrary. So they're going on the, along the ship, and you notice in verse 5, they sailed for a while, and then they get, they find an Alexandrian ship. An Alexandrian ship would be obviously from Alexandria, Egypt, that that's the breadbasket of the world, 
so it'd be a great big grain ship. And so the grain ship is now coming, and uh, this is not one of the larger ones. Josephus even talked about a grain ship that could handle, that he was on, that had over 600 passengers. So, but it's a large grain ship, and so we could basically like a barge, we'd have all so much stored with grain, and since he was, uh, Julius then could commandeer it and put his prisoners on there, and they would, would go along with him. So they go part of the way and they get on this Alexandria ship. And you'll notice wanting to head for Italy in verse 6. you notice in verse 7. When they had sailed slowly for a good many days, and with difficulty had arrived, remember, since the wind was not permitting us to go further. So remember, they're trying to go, but the winds normally that time of the year come from which way? Northwest. So you're trying to go north. And you're basically straight north along the coast, and the wind's going against you. So we're slowly zigzagging back and forth, making very, very little headway. Same time, it's getting later and later and later in the year, more and more dangerous with which to sail to get there. So notice then when they get there, notice in verse nine, with difficulty sailing past, they came to a certain place, fair havens near city of Messiah. Notice in verse nine. When considerable time had passed, the voyage was not dangerous. Even to the fast was already over, Paul began to enlarge them. Now they fast in that year, that would have been in 59, and the Day of Atonement, the fast, would have been October the 5th. Remember, they normally don't travel that late in the year, November, December, January, and part of February. So if you're that far away from Italy, you're going to be going right in the heart of the winter when it is too dangerous with which to go. So, what would you do? Any of you ever made trips or done stuff when all everything says you shouldn't do it? So notice what happens then. Paul stands up to him and he's speaking. He said, Men, I perceive that this voyage will certainly be attended with damage and great loss, not only of cargo and the ship, but also of our lives. Guys, if we take this trip, go any further, we're going to lose the ship, cargo, and many people are going to die. Okay, what's Paul's credentials? Oh, think about it. If you're on the ship, you're the captain, or either the ship, or you're the centurion, and here's this prisoner, and he says, uh, you know, he, we shouldn't do it. This is what's going to happen. So notice then, I think it's interesting what he says, and you think about it. So the winter's coming, Paul gives a warning, but notice how of us would do what they do. Notice in verse 11 and 12. Centurion was more persuaded by the pilot and the captain of the ship than what Paul was saying. Okay, would you believe a prisoner? Or would you believe a guy who is the captain and who's been on the sea all his life? Who would you believe? Notice what else. It's not just because of the person. Notice in verse 12. Because the harbor was not suitable for wintering. Hey, this isn't a good place to put this big ship. It's, you know, it's a bad place. Notice what else, the third one. The majority reached a decision. Okay, so Paul says what? Don't go. The expert says, go. It's bad. You know, then you look at the, this is a bad place to harbor over with our ship. It's too, you know, it's not deep, you know, it's too shallow or whatever it might be. The majority, hey, what do you all think? Paul, Art, you know, Aristarchus, Luke, stay, 
The other 273 say what? So you can kind of get a picture. How many of us do the same thing in our life? God tells us one thing and everybody else is telling us something else. But notice then what else happens that helps make their decision. Notice in, uh, they were at Harbor Creek, they're trying to get to Creek. The uh, Phoenix was a good place because of how it was, it was set up. Notice in verse 13, and a moderate south wind came up. Normally you don't get kind of that kind of wind. The wind comes out of the south and they're wanting to go that direction, you know, go northeast so, hey, or northwest. Hey, the wind's blowing the right way. So we have not a good place. The captain says to go. The majority says to go. Hey, the wind's blowing the right way. If Paul says don't go, what are you going to do? How many of us have made similar? When we moved here to Oklahoma, we stayed up almost all night packing, and we slept just a couple hours. And we were taking a U-Haul, and Gene was driving one, I was driving the U-Haul. And we should have slept. Everybody's telling us, you need to sleep. I said, no, no, my dad's going to be off. And my brother's going to be off. We need to get the vehicle there so I can have help unloading. So we take off. I said, well, we'll, you know, we'll stop in Memphis. Had car trouble. First had truck trouble. Then had car trouble. It was after midnight to get to Memphis. I didn't realize. I said, let's uh, stay on the, on, the, uh, on the Arkansas side. I didn't realize they had racing going on. What's the chances of finding a hotel? So we keep driving. It's 2 in the morning. I fall asleep. I'm driving a U-Haul. I wake up. I'm beside the car I was behind. It was everywhere. There's no air conditioning. It was over 100. I was only had 115 days straight. 100 or hotter here. It was miserable. You know. Stop in a, in, a, in a rest stop, fall asleep about 15 minutes, wake up, sweat running in your day. Finally got to you know hotel. They said, well, you, you, okay, you can stay, but you have to be out of here by 8. So you get to sleep about three hours. To get here, my dad and brother both had to work. Didn't I unloaded by myself anyway. <laughs> That's God's grace because I should have been there. I should, and I, should, I never should have done it. Never should have done it. And I should have listened to what others had said. But, and again, you, you know, you're stubborn, you do stuff. But again, you know, Jean's flashing light. She sees how um, that I'm gone, basically, the way the truck's going all over the place before cell phones and everything else. But, you know, think about God's grace that, that God's here. But here you are. You have this storm. There's things coming up. So the, they think, hey, this is the majority of the circumstances. And I think it's interesting then. So when you make a decision... Who do you listen to and what causes you to do things? Is it circumstances? Is it the majority? Other people's opinions? Or what does God say? And so I think it's interesting. Paul had already told him, don't go. Lost a ship, lost a cargo, and going to be a loss of life. They listen to the majority, just like many of us do. And I think sometimes we can ask the question, am I contributing to my own shipwreck? If we had a wreck on that trip, which only by God's grace, I would have been the one at call. I never should have been driving. Let's look at it. The, you can have the perfect storm that's now going to happen. If you remember, that was the name of the movie that came out. It was actually based on a true story in 1991. You had the perfect storm off of Massachusetts when three fronts hit. Do you realize it was up to, up to 92 mile an hour winds? 
waves 80 to 100 feet tall hitting those ships. The Andrea Gale, which is, was a ship that was the story is after, had been out to sea fishing for 40 days. Six crew members. When they got hit by that storm. Ship was never found. The six men on board were never found. Only a couple of items they think may have been on that ship was found. Perfect storm that hit it. You think about it, here's a perfect storm they're getting ready to go into. It's going to be 14 days long. If you look at it, from where they started to where they end up at was 600 miles away. That's going from further than from Tulsa to Houston or Tulsa to San Antonio. In a hurricane, being tossed everywhere, how many of you want to be on that ship? 600 miles, you're being driven by this storm. We're talking about quite a storm. So think about this. Notice what in verse 21. Remember, they have lost all hope. They've been in 18. They have got rid of the cargo. They get rid of the tackle in 19. The sun and the stars, nothing is shining. And notice it says they all have abandoned hope. Even the sailors. You think they've ever seen a storm before? They're all losing hope. How many of you are beginning to think that maybe they're starting to think, hey, maybe Paul knows something. Why did God have him in the storm? It's going to be important because how, how Paul responds as well. So let's think about it. If you were Paul, now, is Paul going to make it through the storm? Yes. Why? He's got to go to Rome. But what about Aristarchus? What about Luke? Is there any guarantee for them? What would you do if you were Paul? Is God in charge? Do I have the Word of God? Do I have His promises? So let's think about this when you look at this, this perfect storm, which happens in 14 uh, down through 20, I think, which we've already uh, talked about. And when it uses in 19, it's basically it's a Latin and a Greek word put together, meaning it's the wind's coming from the uh, east northeast, really blowing down hard on, which is the very direction they want to go. And it's going, you know, it's going uh, now it's coming from the northeast, so it's driving them uh, down south, which is what they didn't want to do. So notice then what you have in verse 21. I can just imagine how have you ever done this? When they had gone a long time without food, then Paul stood up in their midst. Men, you ought to have followed my advice. <laughs> Boy, have you ever been told that? Any of us ever done that? Notice what he says. We should not have set sail for Crete and carrying this damage and loss. They've lost a lot. Now, how do you think it's going to work with the effect? Uh, if your grain coming from there and you're bringing it up there, what kind of loss of revenue have you had? How would you like to be the different things? Notice, I think, 22. Now, remember, we're in the middle of the storm. Notice what Paul says in verse 22. Yet now I urge you to keep up your courage, for there shall not be loss of life among you, only the ship. Now, he said earlier there was going to be loss of life. What changed? Now, look at it. For this very night, an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood before me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. And behold, God, notice, quote, 
has granted you all those who are sailing with you. Who prayed for them? How many of us would be praying for everybody on that ship to make it? Now, what do you think of it? How many are on the ship? 276. I don't care if you have life jackets or what. You have a, a wreck in a ship, an arrow. What do you think the chances are since you've been on that kind of stuff? I don't care. You're in the middle of a storm like that with any type of equipment you've got, 276, and there have others that can't even swim. And you get in a wreck, and everyone's going to make it on board? And how many of you, if God told you that, would have enough confidence to tell everybody else? Hey, guys, take courage. Nobody's going to die. And the sailors and everybody else can die. You know, I've been deep sea fishing one time. I was so terrible sick. You know, we have, we have a little storm. I can't imagine being 14 days. I might finally get down to the way that I needed to be. I don't know. You know, you think about it. Here you have God, I've prayed for you guys. I prayed that God... By the way, how much more is it Paul rising in the eyes of everyone because of this storm? Because, and I think it's important, how many of us are speaking up for the Lord, praying for others, everything else, and speaking up when we have God's guidance and so on? Even when it's impossible for what you're saying, if God's telling you that. So notice what he, he tells them that. Notice he says, uh, Therefore, keep up your courage in 25. Men, I believe God that it will turn out exactly as I have been told. We're going to lose a ship. We're going to lose cargo and everything. But all 276 of you are going to make it. And you and I are going to say what? We'll say thank you, Jesus, when we get on shore. But how many of us would have enough courage to make that statement? And how many of us would get up in front of people and say, I have prayed and God has assured me that every one of us is going to make it. And so I think it's important. He believed God. He prayed for them. Most of us wouldn't be praying for those others. We wouldn't have even cared less about those other prisoners or anything else. We'd be praying about ourselves, maybe the couple of friends we have or whatever. So think about it. What you have. How many of you believe God's promises in the middle of a great storm? Do I pray for the salvation of myself, my friends, or do I do it for everybody? And will I go out on a limb and predict the salvation of all 276 in the midst of a perfect storm? Yeah, guys, that's only an 80-foot wave. We're all going to make it. You know, you think about it. How low is what? And you have no idea where you're at. You have no idea where there's land. No. Let's look at some possible alternatives. I think this would have been more of what we would have done. Notice in 27. The, uh, the 14th night had come. You know, Paul said they're going to run, on, uh, run aground on an island, uh, which again, if you're a sailor and you run a boat up, up on ground, What's going to happen in the middle of a storm? It's going to break. It's going to break all apart. And what's the chances that when you run it on ground and it breaks all apart and all 276 of you make it alive? 
notice what happens. So they, they first start off 120 feet, and then they go and they find it's down to 90 feet. So they're now they know they're getting closer and closer to land. So they throw out some of the anchors, trying to wait till the next morning. You find them at 29. So I think well, if you were a sailor, what would you do? Sailors, which you remember, they had brought the dinghy, which was that would be pulled behind. It's a small boat. They put it up. They brought it up above. So now the sailors are pretending like they're checking some ropes. They're going to let the dinghy down, the lifeboat, and the sailors are going to do what? Hey, we're going to save ourselves, guys. You guys can do what you want. We know what this. We know what's happening. You know, we've seen this kind of stuff and heard about stuff like it. We're going to get in the lifeboat, and the rest of you are on your own. Paul can say what he wants. Hey, you know, we're going to do what we know. Sound familiar? Any of us ever done that? Notice what Paul says. It's interesting. In 30, the sailors were trying to escape from the ship and they let down the ship's boat in the sea on the pretense intending to lay out anchors from the bow. Paul said the centurion to the soldiers, unless these men remain on ship, you yourselves cannot be saved. How does Paul know that? <coughs> those sailors get away you soldiers are going to die <coughs> including the head the centurion who was over all as the Roman notice they're starting to believe who they, they went from believing the one group hey this everything he said was going to happen has been happening guys maybe we all start believing that. could God not have given Paul a perfectly good sailing trip all the way there is Paul revealing God to people along the way that would not have heard it otherwise, perhaps? Notice then the soldiers cut the ropes of the ship and let it fall. When you do that, what just happened to your little escape route? We're now on this together, guys. Notice then until the day was dawn. Notice when Paul then, remember I already told him we're all going to make it. I prayed for all of you. Notice what he tells him. In verse 33, until the day was about to dawn, Paul was encouraging them to take some food. I, I read that, I'm thinking, if I've been tossed to and fro for 14 days, man, trying to eat something? <laughs> but it's interesting when he says, today's the 14th day, you've been watching, not eating. Notice 34. Therefore, I encourage you to take some food for this, for your preservation, for not a hair of your head of any of you shall perish. You're not going to lose a single head, uh, hair off your head in the middle of a hurricane. All of you. You need your strength. You need it. You have a minute. You're about to go in for this tremendous deal. You're going to need all the strength you can. You guys need to eat. Now, that's easy for us to say, but that's what Paul does. <coughs> Having said this, he took bread and he did what? He gave thanks to God in the presence of all and began to eat. How of us are leading by example? You guys want to know it? I'm in total peace. I need my strength, guys. I'm thanking the Lord. I'm going to eat the meal. And I'm getting ready to, you know, we're, we're going to be uh, you know, shipwrecked, but we're going to make it. And notice what happens. And all of them were encouraged and also took food. How many? All of them. Because of whose example? prison he stated 
the truth, and he lived out his faith in front of all of them. It's interesting that all of us on the ship were 276. They'd eaten enough to begin to light the ship by throwing the wheat into the sea, getting it as light as they can so it won't set as deep in the water. They, they now see that there's in 39, there's their land is approaching, and they loosen the ropes and the rudders. Now what that would be, it says rudders, you think well, there's only one rudder in the back. Rudder is also used for the oars that stuck out. And they, they'd be tied up. And the reason that can be a rudder, all of you on this side are, are paddling from east to west, and they're west to east. You can turn the ship or do whatever. So the oars can also act as rudders. So they had them tied up because of the storm. So they let them out. And notice then, they didn't realize it, but there was a reason underneath. So they're going full steam ahead, raise the sail, and run them straight for the island, for the beach, and hit her. Now what's going to happen when you are the front of the ship hits the ground and the water and the waves are hitting you from the back? It's going to break everything up. So notice then the second plan you now have. Now the soldiers, in verse 42. The soldiers' plan was to kill the prisoners so that none of them could swim away. If one soldier, you know, what happens is then if I'm guarding Don and somebody else is guarding Will and so on, if Don escapes, what happens to my life? I'm killed. Well, I'm not going to let Don escape, so I'm killing him right here. That way I know I won't die. Paul said what? All you made. He said it to the sailors. They cut the ropes. He now says it. Hey, you know, guys, all of us. So unless it's interesting, the centurion, he knows what's going on as well. He wants to bring Paul in safely in 43. He says, nope. Nobody kills anybody. That's quite a danger when you think of that. Notice what he then says. Those of you that can swim, jump. The rest of you, when the base game, when the ship falls apart, grab something and float to shore. That sounds like a great plan. Doesn't it? And what does it say? In the 44, and thus it happened that all were brought safely to land. How many? All. 276. By the way, how many of you think are now listening to Paul? <coughs> because Paul had gone through a shipwreck and he was prepared. How many of us are going to listen to you and I if we're going through a shipwreck and we're hurt? So let's think about how we can prepare for a shipwreck. Okay? How many of you have the knowledge of the Word of God and the promises that you can claim during this time? How many of us have some partners? people that we can rely on and we can call on and so on. They can help us, encourage us along the way. How important is prayer in the middle of it? Paul believed his prayer and he first said all to have lost a life and because he prayed, God gave him the confidence that yes, everybody's going to make it. That's a miracle. How much have enough miracle to pray for them? How much proclaim God's word? The only way that those people knew about it is because Paul told them. How much are practicing our faith in front of people? Do we go out and practice our faith? Maybe you think, okay, yeah, everybody's going to make it, but I'm not telling anybody because I could be wrong. Practicing your faith. But I think it's interesting. Just practical steps. We need to eat before the great, basically, getting to land. That's going to take a lot of energy to do. You know, how many of us are uh, clinging to what you can? 
there's somebody in this room that can't swim, what's the chances of you think, I said, okay, you can't swim, we're in the middle of a storm, we're going to have a shipwreck, just grab a hold of a board. You know, what kind of shape are all these people in? Paul would have been in his 60s, up for 60s. You know, hey, when I'm 20-something, okay. But if I go overboard today, they're, you know, they better be laying, better be close. Huh? Real close. Think about it. When you think about your, how many of us are going to have a shipwreck? How well prepared are we? If we know it's coming. There's things we can do and we can help other people. Paul was concerned about the others. He knew where he was going. How many of us are preparing others for their goal? We'd love for you to come and visit with us and fellowship with us. We're located at 8263 North Owasso Expressway, which is on the east side of Highway 169 North, between 76th and 86th Street North. We have coffee and fellowship from 8.30 to 9 Sundays, followed by Sunday school for all ages from 9 to 9.45, and our Sunday morning worship service is from 10 to 11. We likewise have a Wednesday night service for all ages from 7 to 8. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times, and in every way the Lord be with you all the time.